I was really beginning to create the life that I wanted and started checking in with myself on a very deep level on who I was and who I wanted to be. Welcome to your Journey to Joy podcast. I'm your host, Moira Gorski, and I'm on a mission to help you find joy in the chaos of life. As a retired nurse, multi-passionate entrepreneur, and mom of four adult children, I know what it's like to feel the overwhelm of it all and wonder if and when the joy will show up again. And I've learned it's up to us to go find that joy. On this show, you will hear inspiring stories from those who have overcome all kinds of life challenges, tips on how to stay healthy and vibrant during the ups and downs of life, and simple ways on finding joy in your own life. Let's face it, life is messy, yet when we travel together on this journey, support and encourage each other along the way, that joy starts to show up again. I'm so excited to lead you on this journey of you to find the joyful life that you deserve. Well, welcome to another episode of the podcast. I'm your host, Moira Gorski, and so thrilled that you are back here today listening and you continue to share this podcast as I continue to be on this mission of just helping people find joy in their life. We know that there's going to be chaos. We know there's going to be challenges and that require a lot of juggling. But if we intentionally focus on finding the things that bring us joy, uh, using the tools that we learn about, we can, again, live more joyful lives. And um, my guest today is uh, Lene Lopez, that she's coming to speak with us and have a conversation with me. I met Lene through um, a uh, networking group that uh, I'm a part of. And uh, I love what she does. I love what she has to say. She's a podcast host, but really works uh, with children and with education and with schools and really on a mission to help help us raise healthy children, resilient children, or raise them or teach them, educate them and things like that. So we're going to talk about that a bit, but we're also going to talk about Lene's journey through her own wellness journey and finding herself where she is today and passionate about what she does. So thank you, Lene, for joining me. I'm so glad that you are here. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here and be in conversation and community with you. So thank you for having me. You are very welcome. As I say with most of my guests, let's start at the beginning or start with your story. I know that you do have a story of your wellness journey and finding yourself to um, coming to where you're at today or becoming passionate about what you are doing with your business. So, and you talked about, again, your children being your motivation. So I'd love for you to share with the guests just, again, kind of how you got to where you're at today or kind of that backstory, if you will, of your journey, journey through life. Sure. I'd love to share that. So I'll take you back actually to when I was five. Um, And when I was five years old, my grandmother enrolled me in figure skating classes. And I didn't do it before. My ankles were buckling. I really didn't love it at first. But she showed up every week to take me there and I got better and better. And what happened there is I created a love for the ice and for figure skating. And it became a place for me, particularly in my teen years, where I felt empowered, where I could be in flow and be creative and where I could trust my body. Because at that point in my figure skating career, I was in a decision if I was going to actually pursue trying to go to the Olympics. Um, So I was doing jumps and spins and all the good things. And really, you have to have a lot of trust in your body and in your training to do that. So that was a really big starting point for me into you know, understanding that I had the power to get involved in things that really felt good in my body and really helped me um, move through some difficult times in my life. So, you know, teenage years are never easy, right? Mm -hmm. For anybody. So was I, when I was in them, no different, right? I struggled with friendships and, and, you know, let down and all those things, but the, the returning to that sport for me was always a centering. And as I moved in and um, I went into college, I was an athlete. I did a lot of other sports um, through my my early years and my teen years. But by the time I got to college, I was kind of burned out from it. I, I'd been doing a lot and I really was ready to shift into 
being somebody different, right? Being having a new creation of, of who I was. Um, and I was very interested in oceanography. I was a bit of a science nerd in high school. And I decided I wanted to be an oceanographer. We lived very close to the beach. I love the beach. I had a real passion for keeping our beaches clean and environmental protection laws and things like that. So I, I entered my first year of college and my first semester and I failed out. And that was, um, I'd never really failed at that level at anything. Um, so it was a little bit of a shake, a little bit of a, a crack in the matrix, shall we say, right? Like, okay, what, what's going on here? Mm-hmm. And, you know, trigonometry was a little bit involved there. You know, we had some high level things that I just was like, oh, do I really want to do this <laughs> at this level? And the universe was kind of pulling me away from it. So I had a little bit of downtime. I didn't go back to school the next semester. And then uh, actually around May, around this time of year, uh, my mom had said to me, hey, listen, I really want you to go back to school. I know that you're not sure what your major is going to be, but I want you to keep moving forward. Just take anything. Just take anything, right? So I took a summer class. I took an art history class, actually, and um, thinking it was going to be an easy A, and it was not. It was a very difficult class, but I sort of had this new love. I found a new love. I really enjoyed learning about artists. I enjoyed learning about their creativity and what fueled them. Um, what their lives looked like, right? What their stories were. It was just so intriguing to me. So that actually set me up to finish college. I um, switched majors and became an art history major. Um, and that got me my my bachelor's degree. Um, and then I went out into the world and couldn't find a job in that. So here, here I am again, you know, recreating myself and trying to find um, what works for me. And I took a moment and just tried to figure out like, what's going to bring me some joy. You know, like I had, I had understood that I'd understood being on the ice brought me joy, right? I understood that pursuing art history brought me joy. So I started to fall back on these reflections of like, when I had these moments, like, okay, what's, what feels like I'm going to have some joy and happiness, like what's going to make me feel good. So I ended up mentoring two young girls through um, the Mental Health Association in Broward County. I was in Florida at the time. And I was with these girls for a year. And it was very life-changing for me. And that started a new passion in me for education, which put me on my career path, right? I ended up going back to school. I got my teaching certification. And I started off in in a just a regular you know, private child care center and built my, and built my practice from there. But what what I will say about that is I realized that I also had a joy for children, like watching them grow, supporting them and learning new skills, working with parents, you know, finding resources. So all of that was very much in alignment with like what filled me up. And then I was became a parent myself. Right. So I have three lovely children who are older now. They're 23. 20 and 16. Um, But I was very much in it when they were little. I was teaching, you know, they were coming to school with me. Like it was, I was really, really in it. Um, And I sort of grew up as a parent as they were growing up. So I was growing with them. And, you know, sometimes I was great at it and sometimes I needed help. (laughs) So what I quickly learned was, that I needed my family. Um, at the time, as I mentioned, I was living in Florida and my my parents were in New Jersey. So after I had my first in, in Florida and my son came, my second child, um, I, I'm divorced now, but the, at the time I said to my, my husband, I said, we're going to have to go back because I'm realizing that I need help. This is a lot to, to juggle and handle. And we don't really have a support system here. So that's what we did. We we transferred ourselves back to New Jersey and, you know, started a life here. And we were around family. His uh, mother was here as well. So that really put me in a place um, where I could ask for help. I could have rest when I needed it. I could actually go out with friends, right? And not feel guilty about it, right? Um, I So it was it was great in that sense. 
And then, you know, fast forward a little bit through my career, I, I ended up teaching for a while. I went into um, administration and became a director of early childhood. Um, and then eventually in 2013, I had this crazy year um, when many of the things in my life fell apart. Um, my lost my, my job. Uh, my mother was losing her battle with throat cancer. And I did lose her that year in May of that year. And my marriage um, was dissolving. So I really, again, found myself at this spot where I needed to check in and decide what, what did I need to do to move forward? What, what tools did I need? What resources did I need? Who did I want to be? Because at that time I was losing parts of my identity. Like, who am I if I'm not a wife? Mm -hmm. Who am I if I'm not a daughter? Who am I if I'm not the leader of this program? So I really had to sort of sit with that uh, in that discomfort and really start reevaluating things. And the very first thing that came to me when all of this started, I mean, I think I was going through it in stages like January. It was like a build, a build, 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 build. And then finally in October, it was like the tipping point. And I was like, okay, I'm going to therapy. Like there's, I cannot handle anything else on this plate. So that is what I did. Um, I ended up um, finding an amazing therapist who I saw religiously every week for a full year. Um, and then beyond that, I was with her as well, just not weekly. And she really helped me. She really helped me to understand and validate what I was feeling. She helped me release because at that time I was in my mind, I'm not saying this was the right decision, but in my mind, I was holding things together for my kids and not allowing my emotions. There was no place for them to go. So, you know, that therapy office was the place at least once a week. I knew it was safe to let go, to release, to cry, to rage, you know, whatever that needed to happen. Um, it was a place that I could release that. Um, so that was definitely a really amazing tool for me. Um, I did start my business that year. So I started therapy in October. I opened my current business the following month. Um, and that's how I sort of, my, my career path took off, um, in a different way as an entrepreneur. Um, but alongside that, this reevaluation that was happening was, I want to be there for my kids, right? The, the current, the current life that I was living was I was commuting over an hour. I was working a full day. I was commuting home the hour. So energy wise, I was pretty spent. Um, my children, since they were young still, as I mentioned, they were going to aftercare. So they were getting picked up late and then you come home and then what does that all look like? It's like, what are we having for dinner? And, you know, sometimes those weren't healthy choices. They might've been a McDonald's run, right? Homework, you know, just they, they were also in sports. Um, so we might have sports games. I remember this one time, this one season, I decided I was going to be really, really, uh, smart. And I decided to put hot dogs in a thermos with hot water and brought them to the field with the buns and all of the accompaniments. So in between games, we could have dinner out of the trunk of my, my Ford escape. <laughs> <All right. laughs> Getting resourceful. But um, so alongside this, this new business that I was creating, I, for the first time, was able to control my schedule in a way that I was always pushing up against what will be best for my family and my children. So I wanted to be home in order, uh, you know, I wanted to be home before they got out of school. I wanted to be sure I could go to all of their sports games. I wanted to be sure that if they had a, a special event or a, a chorus that they were doing, or they were in a play that I could block the day so that I could go. Because before that, I couldn't, I missed so many things. I missed so many special events. I, I cannot tell you how many first days of school I missed all those years because I was in education. And when you're in education, where do you have to be? Right. You have mm -hmm. to be in the, in the school building with, yeah, with all those, those little people and those parents that are entering. So for so many years, I missed those first day of school memories. Um, so that was really sort of in 2013, there was a big shift in my life where 
I was, I was really beginning to create the life that I wanted and started checking in with myself on a very deep level on who I was and who I wanted to be. Yeah. You know, a few things that I wanted to highlight in what you said, which is again, a great, again, it's a great story. It's a journey. I think there are many that are listening to this podcast and perhaps those that don't, but that I hear from, and it's many times those young adults that they're saying, I don't, I don't know what I want to do, or I don't know if I want to do this forever. And so then they get, they get stuck. And I interviewed a gal uh, recently, who's really a coach for that, those young adults and teens in really helping them get unstuck. And she's finding that they get stuck many times because, well, for various reasons, and I'll, uh, we can, um, you can listen to the podcast and I'll link it in the show notes, but I've heard it from my own children and some other children is that well, I don't know if I'm going to do this forever. And is this the right choice? So I'm not going to do anything at all. Mm. But what you, you know, your journey was, you continued to find a new identity or reinvent yourself or be willing to be flexible to change. Like maybe this isn't going to work or you were forced, right? Forced out of school, but then you decided a different path and that felt good. And so you went on and you just morphed and changed and things like that. And that was good. Yeah. Again, so many children these days and even, you know, people, you know, and moms with those kids, they're like you said, who am I if I'm not a mom and not necessarily that they, or a wife, they don't, you don't have to get divorced, but when your kids walk out of the house and they go to college, like, who am I if they don't need me? Yeah. And then they're stuck. Like, I don't know what to do. And I'm depressed or things like that. Well, I want to I want to highlight that in showing, you know, and I talk to women about that often is that you can find things, even though things change and the kids leave or you get divorced or you move states or you break your leg and you can't figure skate anymore, or, you know, those kind of things, mm-hmm. you can reinvent yourself or find something different that gives you that identity and purpose. And then the other, the second thing along that is that it's okay to ask for support. It's okay to ask for help. And you said you found a therapist and you talked to people, but then you were also like, I think you said, or but you know, sometimes, cause I look at support, that was a big thing for me is that I never really asked for help because I looked at help as this, oh, I'm this weak person and I am not capable, but it's really not that at all. You know, sometimes you're under so much stress that you aren't capable of doing certain things, but there are times that you just need some support and it could be let's go for a walk. You know, I need to talk it out or just get out in nature. Would you like to go for a walk with me? That can be the support that you need that day. And it can also be finding a therapist and sitting in their their place where they provide this safe space for you to speak, to vent, to cry, to find some solutions to what you're going through. And again, many people don't feel comfortable asking for support, but I want that to be brought up again to say, it's okay to ask for support. I talk about that all of the time on this podcast, because again, I found that myself that I, I wasn't, I wasn't able to, I was able to ask for help, but I wasn't doing it because I just felt so, I just felt like I wasn't adequate and I wasn't, you know, there's something wrong with me if I couldn't handle the situation. And really when we can learn how to ask for support, set those boundaries then we can, we're helping ourselves. And thus, then we're better, we're better, we can better serve those around us, be it our children, our businesses, our families, our life, whatever the case Mm -hmm. is. Mm -hmm. Um, And I love that. I love even when you first started talking about um, ice skating, because, and you're trusting your body and you found things to flow. And I'm just going to say this, you know, I, you know, that I started ballroom dance lessons um, a couple of years ago and I was just speaking with a girlfriend about it this morning. I mean, that's part of the reason why I go is to try to relax, de-stress, like let go and flow. You know, yes, I do competitions and I want to do well, but really it's to try to show up there and continue to trust me because I didn't realize that um, the dancing would help me with things in life. Yeah. And that, you know, I'm this leader and I'm a businesswoman, an entrepreneur and a mom of four kids and I get it all done. And then I step into a dance studio where I have to not only trust myself and like being okay with what I see in the mirror, but I have to trust the person that is leading me. I have to stop leading and I need to follow. 
And so mm-hmm. it's that tr- there's a big trust in there that um, I just, it came up to me when you were talking about getting on the ice and trusting your own body. That's a singular type of sport, unless you're, of course, in pairs. But mm-hmm. I'm finding that a lot. It keeps coming up is that trust piece. Again, trusting myself because I'm this perfectionist and I just came from a, from a Zumba class and I was like, I don't know what I'm doing here. And I was like, okay, it's just Zumba. It doesn't matter. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Zumba gets me all the time. So I'm with you on that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was trying to do this, like, you know, I don't know. I think we're used to going like the same way, like with our hands and our feet. And then they were doing this counterbalance thing. I was like, I can't get that. And it didn't matter because it was just a fun Zuma class. But anyway, those are the things that kind of came up for me that I think is worth, they're worth highlighting. And then you also through everything that you went through in your life and those things that you learned, you found yourself in a life of freedom. I mean, you were able to create a life that that felt comfortable for you, that gave you that freedom to, to accomplish the things that you wanted to accomplish. One of them being with your children and being there for your children. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's, it's a beautiful thing when we can, we can learn from what we're doing, the choices that we make and then create this life that we love, you know, and that freedom. The other thing I'll say about that in that, that sweet spot when all of that was crazy town was happening and I was recreating is, um, I really did a lot of self-work. And when you were saying about trusting yourself and the support model, when I did that work, what I realized was that I needed to be sure that I was paying attention to my triggers um, so that I could learn how to ground myself or shift myself out of them when they came up. Hmm. That was important. And I'm still working on that, but I'm a whole lot better. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Well, I, w- I was going to say, cause I spoke, I so- said this to someone on my podcast this week. I said, it's amazing when I do these interviews, it's like, oh, I needed to hear that. Or it's something that's going on, you know, with me. And that's what I was learning the last couple of weeks. There were just these things that came up that as I look back on them, I kind of really reacted in the wrong way. Um, incorrect way. I didn't take the time to really think about it. And I over, I just, you know, overreacted so quickly And as I was saying, even before we went live, is that I haven't been doing some of that self-work during that Mm -hmm. time. And I believe if I had been, perhaps I wouldn't have been so quick to judge or quick to jump in and things like that. So there is such importance in that it continues to be work for us. There's no like, oh, that's great. Now I don't have to do my meditation or my breath work or things like that. I'm kind of, I've done all that. It just... It just, it's, it's a practice that needs that self-care just continues to need to happen because triggers will happen. Other things will happen. Other experiences will happen. And if we can keep ourselves grounded in that, then, you know, again, we're showing up better for us and we're that better example for, like you said, for your children and those that you're, you know, those that you're around. I started this pretty, pretty early on, um, after I got separated where I would just, I have a track that I like to walk on that has a lot of trees and it's really beautiful. And and a lot, and my children have played there. There's a beautiful playground and things like that. But I, and I do this to this day, I will walk that track. I try to do it daily now, if possible, just because I'm working on other goals in my life, other fitness goals. But at the core of that, I talk to myself and I found that I need to hear my voice out loud to help me process things. So that's what I do. And sometimes like, if there's a lot of people there, I'll stick on some ear pods and act like I'm on a call. (laughs) People don't think I'm a little goofy town, but like really just walking and talking that I think it's the combination of hearing my own voice. So I can like really hear what I'm thinking, which sounds crazy, but right. Um, And the combination of movement because energy is moving in my body, right? So I'm getting Mm -hmm. it all out physically and mentally has really, really been a key strategy for me in grounding myself, talking about things that I'm upset about and coming up to solutions. Mm -hmm. Well, I don't think there's any, I mean, that's a very good thing. And again, there is a lot of 
science or, you know, again, there's behind that, again, movement or when we go and we work out or go for a run, we have these epiphanies or with these things that we then come home and take a shower and we feel like we had the ideas in the shower. But I truly believe it's because we were out there moving or gardening or getting into the soil and things like that. Yeah. And I also tell people, because I'm a big proponent of journaling, mm. is the same thing. When you journal, I believe you can hear yourself speak. You can hear yourself when you start to journal and write those things out. You're you're speaking, right? You're speaking words into the paper, just like you, if you want to speak it yeah. out loud too. And there's a lot of power in that. There's a lot of, like you said, processing and figuring things out when you can say it out loud, because sometimes that's what happens when you know, we have that active listening or you go to a counselor or you have a friend that says, well, it sounds like you're saying this or you're meaning this. And you're like, no, or yes, you know, but someone else is is repeating that back to us. So I think it's in a very similar way when you're going out and speaking things out loud. Yeah. Or when I journal, when if I can sit down and just give myself a prompt of like, what, why am I feeling this way? And then I just write. It's like, wow then I was able to process through what's get it out of those thoughts out of my head down into that paper. It's such a, it's a powerful tool to use. Yeah, it is. It is. And it's been very, very helpful for me. And, and it's a regular practice that I do daily. Brought to you by Gorski Wellness and the possibility of a better you. Are you feeling sluggish? Ready for a change? Need more energy? Up for a bigger challenge? I'm Moira Gorski, retired nurse and wellness advocate. For over 22 years, I've been helping people live healthier lives while making small changes each and every day. Those small changes lead my clients to living a healthier lifestyle with markedly better health. As a brand ambassador for the Shackley Corporation, the most clinically proven wellness company in the world, I guide my clients to make healthier choices each day with their food, supplements, skin care, workouts, and mindset. They say getting started is half the battle. Let's make healthy happen together. If you're ready for simple, natural, sustainable solutions to feeling and looking your best, let's connect. You'll find a link in the show notes or reach out to me at moiragorski.com. Here's to a better you. And so tell me a little bit about, again, your practice or your business of helping and doing the education and really having that passion for for children. And for, again, I think it's so important for the things that we're learning, right, as women and entrepreneurs and mothers. And I believe if we can continue to, to use what we learn to help teach those who are coming behind us, then we yeah. can create a a great world. We can have an impact on the world to come. Yeah, absolutely. And and that's what I stand for, right? So as far as my profession and my career, um, early childhood is my passion. Like I did a little teaching in middle school, like when I was trying to figure out when I was just substitute teaching, I did a little in high school. And those at that time were very intimidating grade levels for me. And I remember doing some teaching in early childhood programs and like kindergartens and then preschool. And it just, that just felt right, which is why I chose early childhood. And, you know, early childhood is such a unique grade level because the brain development alone from zero to five is the most your brain grows in your entire life. So what we're learning, how we're learning, what types of experiences we're having, how we're nurtured, our our health, all of those things to me is such a hyper-focused five years. And I am so empowered to just share like just some really great practices for, for the students, for the teachers, for the leaders, for the parents that can really just give kids this amazing jump start in life. And then if you also just look from a therapy side, you know, many of our relationships that we have later in life are really built on the bonding factors that we have with our parents and our caregivers, whoever those, whoever those people are in our lives in our, our younger years up to age seven. So that's another huge thing. Like I understand there is science and brain science behind this group um, that really is a foundation for them to thrive or maybe struggle later in life. So I also feel like it's just, 
a proactive, like I'm just empowered by it because it feels very proactive, right? To, to be able to do that. So my, my platform is really around educational equity, like really providing resources, funding, trainings for school communities to be able to offer high quality early childhood education. And high quality has some indicators on it, right? We want a curriculum that's aligned to developmentally appropriate practice. We want teachers that have good training and hopefully a pathway to become certified or a grant to be able to do that, right? Um, we want pay, like that's, you know, a good pay for educators. Um, we want leaders that are informed because quite honestly, our school district leaders, many of them are middle and high school trained. They are not early childhood trained and early childhood has its own unique set of things you need to know and understand. So really helping them understand how to support parents and teachers that are in they're with their youngest learners in their school districts. Um, so all of these pieces are just so important to me. Um, and that's what I've been doing in my work now for 10 years. But the, the bonus of that is also um, that because I'm in early childhood, I've sort of got to practice some of these things and really set some things in our family that I think have really contributed to my children. Um, having healthy outlooks on life and just healthy uh, emotional responses and being able to ask for support um, when they need it with, I, I think is huge for, for our youth to know that like they can come to a trusting adult, they can get resources. There's always, there's always support and an answer for them um, or someone to walk with them in it. They don't have to be alone in things. So that's sort of, been, that's the professional side. I'd say the personal side you know, that I've learned along the way is really the first thing that I relied on when I was raising my kids is really, there was a couple of key things. The first was like community resources, right? So what is in my community that I can expose my children to for them to have these other types of experiences um, for enrichment, right? So that was my library was huge. We used to go to story times. They used to bring like this therapy dog, they had an art program for young kids at the time. So my kids were getting these enrichment experiences and for free. Mm -hmm. Right. So there was that. I also am a huge advocate for sports and not in the sense of like, you know, everybody gets a trophy type of thing, but in the mm -hmm. sense of it helps you build the mentality of understanding what a team is which I think later in life is huge to understand people's strengths and challenges and it builds confidence um, as well, or helps you get over confidence issues. And also, you know, it's the team, the sports thing also is like, it keeps you active. And, you know, I, I was, I was a good team, but I was also a challenging team. And what I can tell you is I'm really glad I was involved in sports because sports kept me active after school. It kept me in positive interactions with positive adults. It got energy out of my body, right? So when I came home, I was sort of, I was sort of unintentionally like grounding myself in a, in a way, like, I, like the energy was out. So I was calm. I could concentrate on homework. I could do my work, you know, maybe talk with friends, but I wasn't seeking, I wasn't bored. Let's put it that way. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times when we have bored teenagers, that's when they sort of can get into some maybe not some great choices. Um, they might start hanging out with folks that aren't making right choices. And then, you know, we have some other supports that they may need. So sports really helped me to stay on track. Um, so that was, and also my children also were in sports. So that I think that also kept them really busy. Also our local park system, we have a really great park system where I am and they did great programming for very low cost. So that was another thing, just keeping them involved, keeping them doing new things. And the other part of that is in keeping them doing new things. Like I wanted them to have experiences where I would take them to and I would know what they were doing, but I wasn't leading it. And I think that was huge in building their confidence to walk into different situations and be okay. Mm -hmm right? Not feel shy, not feel right. They, they got to practice that a lot. Like I was there, but I was there at a distance, mm -hmm. right? I wasn't necessarily leading um, the activity. So I think in that, that was a really big role in 
some of the ways that I parented. Also having a tribe. I mentioned before, like I was lucky. I can't, I saw the need to come back and have support. I came back to New Jersey, but also having a tribe. So when I, by the time I got to 2013, I had lost my grandparents. I had lost my mom. Um, I lost my dad three years ago. So that, that initial support system of family that was there was really not there for me. Um, and then on top of that, I was getting divorced. So I didn't even have my, my partner at the time. So I really created what I'll call the tribe, the parenting tribe, right? Where you, you make friends with your classmates, moms or dads, and you're really able to sort of have this mentality of checking in on each other, but also, you know, sometimes they may need a ride somewhere or a pickup or, right. And you really being able to work together to support each other. So your kids are, can get to where they need to go and you have the information, but you're not doing it solo all the time, Mm -hmm. um, which could really be exhausting if, because I had three kids. So it was a lot of activities that I was running around to um, for a couple of years there. The other thing I had mentioned was the self piece. And when they were little, we kind of had a rule in our house that you we really didn't want to say anything that seemed like it could be hurtful to someone else. And that include and you know, in some ways it would be like no curse words or no bad words is what how we would use it. But some of those bad words were not just curse words, they were things like stupid dumb, right? That kind of stuff. And I think that was also really important because when my kids would hear it with their friends, they, they knew that it was a, it was, even though it was in jest and it was in fun, they understood that it had, it could have effects on how somebody felt because we had talked about it and why, you know, we did the why behind the knot. And then what I learned about that is my kids actually sort of became this role model in their friend groups that kind of were like, would bring up like, "Uh, you know what, that's not a great word. You know, like maybe we should use this word or that might make them feel this way or right. So that was really a beautiful thing to see just as like a, you know, that was something we had in our home that we talked about, but then seeing it, how it played out for them in their friends, in their friend groups as they grew up and things like that. Um, we also went down this path when I was in my own recovery from that, that year is I started to seek out motivational quotes and motivational speakers. So, and I would like go on Pinterest every day and I would post something and that was for me. But then what I did is I started to put those things around our house so if you came in our house now, we there's all these little nooks and crannies of motivational quotes and things like that that surround them into creating a home that is safe, right? And that is high, like a high energy type of place. Um, so that was also something that was really important. And we did a lot of talking to, we, we also did a lot of around checking our self-talk, particularly when they were teens, when they would say something that was like not, they were saying something that was not so nice about themselves or they weren't having a really open, you know, view of something. We would, we all kind of would take turns and we still do this. We still keep each other in check sometimes around keeping the conversation open mm. is what we would call it, mm-hmm. right? Keeping the conversation with yourself open. Don't limit your beliefs. Don't limit your ideas. So that was really a key too. And so I think like having some of these just family, well, I mean, what would you call those? Maybe like um, family mantras, maybe like just a couple of these things that really are very small, but if you practice them regularly, they really created a space in our house that just everybody feels good. Even when friends come over, they say like, oh, your house feels so good. It's so inviting and so warm. Um, And we all, all of my kids and myself, we all had a role in that because we Mm -hmm. decided that we wanted it to be a certain way. Well, and I think when, when it's, when it's um, just becomes commonplace that, you know, if some, if somebody swears, it's like, Hey, is that not the right choice? Or if there's a, again, a motivational quote on the mirror when somebody comes in and you're not afraid to, you know, show that you're not hiding them or just putting them upstairs in your room. 
it just has this beautiful cumulative effect for your family, but also for those that come in there mm-hmm. um, to see that. But also when your kids go, because I think, you know, often you hear people say, oh, when when grandma dies, you know, it's like, well, grandma was always this way. She These, these were the quotes that I, I remember from my mom or from my grandmother. But, you know, we shouldn't take those lightly because those, can, again, can be the parents that are listening, that's the impact that we can have. Now, sometimes my daughter will say, oh, you're just all, what What positive word are you going to say today, mom? But because I just tend to be that person too. But I also noticed that when I started, when I was in the midst of struggle too, and things were tough in life, that's what I did. I woke up in the morning to try to find a motivational quote, but it started off because I needed something. And then I shared that out on social. And I remember when I was coming out of the health club one day, this gal stopped me and um, in her car, rolled down her window and she said, keep doing what you're doing. Would you keep sharing those quotes? I love like every morning I wake up, I'm like, oh, what is she going to share with us? So you just, you never know the impact that you're going to have, but that can be, it can be a great impact for our children. And again, in this world that there's, there's all kinds of things that they're going to hear and see. But if we can have that, just having that, I mean, I remember one of my sons, my my boys, I have three boys and a girl, my boys played hockey. So there was plenty of driving the kids around to practice and games and things yeah. like that. And there was one year that I was really focused on getting a trip, earning a trip to Paris. And so I had Eiffel Towers and pictures of Eiffel Towers. I still have an Eiffel Tower lamp right here in my office that you can't see, but it's on the top you know, of the bookcase in front of me. But I had them all over the place, including my car like a printed out. And I remember one of the, you know, guys got in the car one day and he's like, Mrs. Gorski, why do you have an Eiffel Tower picture in your car? I'm like, well, I'll tell you, <laughs> I'm focusing on yeah. getting this trip. And so again, there's, you know, sometimes we may be like, oh, that I don't, those things that those little things that we do or the things that we do for ourselves can really have an impact on our kids, you know, for that day and also for the future. But I want to highlight like what you said. You talked about community. You talked about the library. I was thinking about my town and how I raised the kids. I mean, we live in a beautiful upper, you know, a beautiful upper, you know, middle class area in the Midwest, beautiful town that has lovely parks, beautiful, wonderful schools. Um, we have a great library. I love my library. <laughs> we would come mm-hmm. home with like box, you know, just take the big bag, the couple of tote bags. We'd bring books and books homes. We went to the library story hour. And um, I think sometimes we just like, I remember as a mom, oh, we just want to get our kids involved. Maybe we're not thinking about the long-term impact, but I like what you said, like being able to utilize your community and for the things that are free. Now, granted, we pay very we pay big taxes. And so part of those taxes obviously goes to the library, you know, mm-hmm. and to the park district. But I've also heard moms who have moved away and they're like, oh, the school systems aren't that great. You know, now I'm going to homeschool because the school system, we don't even have any parks that to take to or the, the playgrounds really suck or things like that. So um, it's wonderful when you have those things. We have a great park that we live across from and we can we go and walk the dog there. Or I've run many miles around there. That's where the soccer games are and things like that. So being able to take advantage mm-hmm. of that, having those to take advantage can be, again, it gets our kids out of the house. It gets us out of the house. It gets us to be able to go do something together with us. We have some parks that you can rent kayaks and go kayaking as a family or something like that or snow skiing at the... Yeah, yeah, or snowshoeing, or or snowshoeing, or like cross country skiing yeah. at the golf course here. If we ever would get a no for that, but I love the, that you mentioned sports too. My children have been involved with hockey um, and swimming and gymnastics and things like that, and, and baseball and lacrosse. And our daughter was involved in band and in the in the arts and things like that. So I think it can be sports, but I also think they can learn that if they're in the musical arts or in yeah. you know some some type of fine arts because it is you know when you're on marching band and you got to march down the road or you have to do your formation you know it's you have to work together as a team right and you have to watch the mm-hmm. leader and you have to pay attention to the person next to you and listen to the trumpets come in while the flutes be quiet and all those kind of things you know again it it teaches them how to be part of something and i feel like yeah um again, it can be in college or it can be when they're younger, everywhere in between is being a part of something like you mentioned earlier, having that identity. They can be a hockey player or they can be a band member. They can be, 
you know, because I've gotten frustrated with, I mean, we love our school system, but it's always, it seems to be always like about the football and the show choir. Well, what if you're not on the football team and the show choir? Mm-hmm. We still need to give light to the fact that there might be somebody that's on the speech team that does really well. And that's what they love to do, or they like to go into the culinary arts or things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, those are all um, ways that our kids can be involved in something. And like you said, it could be a youth group. It could be a WANA clubs. It could be, but being a part of something in addition to your family, but something outside of the family that they can feel that they belong, um, but also learn a lot there. Yeah. Again, the tribe piece, I think as an entrepreneur, I've learned that too, is that having my trusted tribe of people that I can refer my friends to, but also again, when we're, uh, when we're busy mom and we have those kids, like not because I don't know what if you found this, but like there were some moms that they didn't want to they didn't be want to be involved in the carpooling. They didn't want to be mm-hmm. involved in the can Johnny come over to my house or your house after school because I have a I have to work late or something like that. Some didn't want to be involved in that. Mm-hmm. But I think that um I always liked that because I could I could get a different glimpse of my kids when like I took their kids to hockey practice or I sat or I took them on the hockey tournament or we went to the to the band competition or we went to Florida on a field trip, you know, you got to see your kids in a different light, like interacting with their friends. Yeah. So you have to learn a little bit different about them. And I was, um, I was a big advocate and I still am because my youngest is still in high school of knowing who their friends are, having their friends to the house. I was the one that wanted to do carpool because the conversations that they have when you're carpooling, right? Like you get little glimpses of like, like you said, who they are and maybe what's current in their life. And and also I got to stay hip on the current music trends, right? That's so right. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Well, and also the, you know, sometimes it got also quiet because they're in their headphones and stuff like that. Mm. So, but I also feel like there's I like to mention there's power in getting your kids in the car and taking a drive and then having conversations because yeah. I've had plenty of conversations even like driving into the into the garage and then sitting there because that child doesn't have to look directly <laughs> into your eyes. And so you can have those difficult conversations. They don't have to look right at you, but they can sit and they can still speak with you. They're driving to the store like, oh, we're going to take the long way home because this conversation is good and we want to continue it on or, or something like that. So I think there's power so even when just taking your kids someplace um, and that was one of the things when I when I was able to shift and to own my own schedule and start my business is I was able to take my kids to school every morning and driving, particularly when they got to high school or high school, they don't get they couldn't get a bus because we live a little too close, but a little too far for them to really mm-hmm. walk. It's one of those weird you know, dynamics. So I would drive them. And that was definitely those were special moments. Like when you have a, a child in high school, like you know, they're, they're going, they're with friends, like, so really carving out consistent time, even if it was only 15 minutes here and there, you know, in the morning. And maybe if I was picking when I pick up after sports, we had that time all, at least every day, five days a week where, you know, it was built in. So mm-hmm. we could, we could have those little conversations. Um, so that was good. The other thing I wanted to share that I did when they were little, not so much now, although I love it when they do it. Sometimes my daughter will come in my youngest, but I used to have them after they would take their baths when they were younger, they would come and lay on my bed and they would tell me about their day. And I actually learned that from being an educator first. Um, cause we used to do that with the kids at the end of the day would say, tell me about your day. What'd you learn today? What was fun? And of course we'd always prompt the parents to do that. But I actually started that practice with my own kids. And it's been great because what I think it did, because I did it consistently is one, I got an insight on how their day was and what was going on. But because we did it so consistently, when they were struggling with something, they would tell me. And then we could problem solve it. Like in the beginning when they were little, like I may have to call the teacher or email the teacher, right? But as they got into middle school, those conversations became more about, well, what could you do? What, you know, is there somebody else you could talk to? Or did you try to have this type of a conversation? So it was really, really valuable, I think, in an organic way that they were able to like just 
feel comfortable enough to like share. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think again, the importance of is that creating a, a safe space that again may have happened organically, but you were creating a safe space for them to feel like they could open up. Yeah. A couple of things that, that I did, uh, when the kids were growing up, I told them, I gave them each a notebook just a little notebook. And I said, you know what, if something's bothering you and you just don't know how to talk about it, or you don't know how to bring it up, you can write it in this notebook and you can stick it under my pillow. And so when I go to bed, I'll find your notebook and I'll write something back to you or I'll bring it up. Now, a couple of them used it a couple of times, but again, it's that idea that I provided that area that they could write something down if they were, you know, and then sometimes I'd go and talk, no, 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 I don't want to talk about it. But, you know, again, you're providing that opportunity. And then during the pandemic, and again, these were ideas from friends of mine, but I think they're that's what we do, right? We're, that's what we're doing on this podcast is sharing ideas so that other yeah. people can can know them and, and utilize them. But speaking with a friend and she said, yeah, we always have Sunday night dinners. And I was like, oh, because I love to cook. And I believe there's power in, it's not about the food. It's about what happens when you get people around the table. Yes. And I grew up with a mother who had, who made dinner for us every night. And so I love that. And so during the pandemic, um, our daughter was, our daughter and our oldest were not home, but our second and our fourth child were home. And, you know, Tommy was in high school and Tyler was doing some school and working. And so there was lots of busyness and sometimes they didn't work because they shut down all of that, but in and out and things like that. And so I said, you know what, you can do whatever you want during the week. And I'll tell you if I'm going out or I'll tell you if there's dinner or you have to be on your own. But you know what? On Sunday nights, we're gathering for dinner and we're getting together for dinner and it'll be between seven, six and seven. And then um, and then I'd like us as I started, um, I'd like us to share the highs and lows of the week. Now, uh, it didn't always go over well. And when people were not in good moods, they're like, or my husband said, I'm not looking in the rearview mirror. I don't want to look in the past. I want to look forward. I'm like, oh, come on. We just want to share highs and lows of the week. But again, it's the idea that we're giving them a space to, you know, well, the high of the week was this, but the low was this. This kid was mean to me or whatever. Sometimes we never hear about those things. Yeah. Unless we give them a place to do that. Because, you know, I don't know about you, but when I grew up, like we had phones that were attached to the wall. Right. And there was one or two phones in the house. And so when I came home and Mary called, you know, my mom answered the phone and she gave me the phone and I talked to Mary. And then she told me in about 20 minutes, you better get off the phone. And so then I got off the phone and then she's like, how's Mary? Oh, I heard you talking about this. So there was this conversation we had about my friendship. These days when there's phones and headphones and texting and this social media app, yeah. we don't know as as parents what our kids are going through. So I believe it's so important to, like you said, you know, you provided that time after bath time, but us as parents, like figuring out a time that we can just, it's just kind of an organic thing. Hey, we're just having fun here, but it gives them a chance because then after Sunday night dinners, you know, what we ended up doing is we often played games. Or we carved pumpkins. And before you knew it, you know, maybe Tyler didn't want to participate, the oldest, but Tommy's girlfriend was now allowed to come over to our house. And I ran across a letter that she wrote me when I was cleaning out my kitchen the other day. And she talked about those Sunday night dinners and how that was the highlight of her week. And she, we introduced her to a lot of firsts. Hmm. She had never carved pumpkins. She had never built gingerbread houses. She had never done some of the things or played the games that we played. And she loved that. It was a way for us to get to know her. She It was a way for her to have fun. I mean, my husband would sit in the front and she didn't often participate in the games, but I love playing games. And so he would say one day, because what were you guys doing? You guys were laughing so hard. Like I'm playing that game that you know you put those things in your mouth and you oh have to Oh my like, gosh, yes. I mean, we were laughing. Pauline said my husband, my son's uh girlfriend, now wife, I've never heard your you're seeing your mother laugh so hard. But it was so fun. And I can't just say I can't just I just I love family time. I I miss it with being almost an empty nester. Yeah. But I can't reiterate that enough to say, these are things that you can create in your home as the kids are growing up. And then hopefully 
they will establish those routines too. My oldest, I mean, when my kids come together, I'm like, okay, what game are we playing? My oldest will bring games home. This is a new game that Christy and I have been playing. You want to play it? We play it with Christy's parents. Great. It's just a time to be together and have fun. But it's amazing those conversations that can be had where you provide that fun, safe space for our kids to share. And that's how we can get in there and really provide that support for them. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And game nights are so fun. And also, you know, my kids are, I still have one in high school, but um, my older two are ones in vet school and ones in college. But now it's a shift of like, like you were saying, like the family dinners or, you know, we really try to take um, every June, we try to take a family trip somewhere before the summer gets crazy. Um, So we're trying to now build new ways to Mm -hmm. stay connected and have fun and spend time together um, while also honoring everybody's lives that they're creating. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, in, in hopes that we keep, so like that game night could be like that theme, right? Like come back to that theme and everybody's together. So I love that. But yeah, parenting is interesting, right? It's like when you're in early childhood and you're like, when the kids are little, it feels like you'll always be there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it just feels like it's so much, right? But um, it does definitely morph into different and new things and and new creations of how to be together and how to parent for sure. I mean, I've recreated my parenting a bunch of times. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think we all do. And again, as we wrap this up, I think those are great tips that... Um, you know, that, that you shared today, again, that any parent can, can hear and start to think about and start to do some of those things today. Because again, it's never too late to start something new or try something new. Or, you know, my daughter, the other day, we get the paper and she's like, oh, there's like, I don't know, activity guide or summer guide or something. And that's how we learned about this artisan fair that we went to last week. She's 24. She, you know, she lives here at home but I love that she's finding things for us to do because there was a time in the last many years that she wasn't home because she was in treatment. And it's almost like we're making up for lost time that we didn't have together. So now she's, she said, do not throw out. And she highlighted some things and we talk about, maybe we want to go to the chocolate festival. Maybe we want to do this, but again, the times change, our kids grow, but there's always time for, again, keeping in mind these certain tips that we can use and, and start to just keep in mind so that we can, again, be part of our kids' lives. Like I said in the beginning, build up that resilience in them. So we're creating these wonderful humans um, that go on, they'll go on, go on in life. Yes. Yes. Well, definitely. Thank you for having me. This is such a fun conversation. A great conversation. You know, I just, I love it. And um, I love everything that you shared and again, what you're doing and, I believe that my audience, again, is going to love this because, again, I'm trying to provide some practical tips of, you know, how we can all, again, find joy in our life. But again, as parents, as entrepreneurs, as moms, dads, things like that, um, I always say, too, that we need to be living examples of how to live our life. But that's not perfection, right? It's it's just it's real life, right? We have our ups and downs Mm -hmm. and we have our struggles and it's we have times that we need to ask for support and then go have fun and those kind of things. So yeah. I really appreciate what you shared, you know, you shared today. Um, please tell as we wrap up, you know, where people can find you um, and um, any last words that you do have for my audience today. Sure. Yeah. So my website is verveconsultant.com. So you can definitely go there and learn more about the business offerings and what I do in schools. Um, you can also find me on LinkedIn by my name, L-Y-N-E-E-L-O-P-E-Z. And also the the other offering I'd like to throw out there is talking about doing new things and being inspired. I actually um, started a new part of my business um, where I'm going to be hosting retreats because I'm really also an advocate in just my personal life and my professional life of being inspired, living in an inspired life, um, living as a part of a community and community learning. So I've partnered with a company called Good Travel, and we've curated a retreat together in Fiji that will be going to this October, the 9th to the 14th. And in that will be um, with a bunch, we'll be with 12 other folks and we'll be at two different resorts um, with some Fijian partners there. And we're going to be doing inspiration and connection to nature, to community, to culture, to self, 
And we also have a give back project um, where we'll be working with an artist group, creating a mural that will be actually hung in an orphanage. Hmm. So we have a really, really cool trip curated. Um, so I will, if you go and find me on socials on LinkedIn, there's an, a registration there. I can also give it to you for the show notes. Um, so folks mm-hmm. can check it out and see if they want to join us, um, and really come and have some self-care, some exploration and adventure and reconnection. Yeah, that's great. I, um, I'm hosting my first, uh, retreat this, this summer and, uh, hoping to fill a house with 10 women we can do again a lot of those those similar things is connecting back to ourselves um yeah. spending some time in nature and just getting back to those habits and the tools that we can use so that we can live a more a joyful life so uh, yes. thanks for sharing all that again everything will be in the show notes that people can refer but um thank you Lene, so much for being thank here you. and for this really uh fruitful conversation i appreciate thank it thank you thanks so much yeah. i'll catch You're you welcome. soon okay all right thanks everybody and we'll see you next time Hey there, ready to live a more joyful life? Considering connecting with someone who can help you? If so, I'd like to be that person. I offer a free consultation where we determine where the chaos is in your life and how you can learn to bring more joy each and every day. Visit my website, moiragorski.com, or simply email me, moira at moiragorski.com, with more joy in the subject line. I look forward to connecting, and I'm here to say, there will always be some chaos, which requires a little juggling, but you can find joy and live your life intentionally filled with that joy. Let me help you on your journey to joy. And that's joy, the journey of you.